beaver flat 50. This race is so not flat. Everyone is going to like think this is funny and that we're big jerks. We describe it as the best worst thing you'll do in September. This is the most obnoxious thing that exists in the prairies. That was Warren and Jeff Dudar. And this is episode 68 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Today, we are talking with brothers Warren and Jeff Dudar, the founders of Prairie Sky Running Company and race directors of the Beaver Flat 50, a trail race near Swift Current in southern Saskatchewan, Canada. Despite their choice of name, Beaver Flat 50 is anything but flat. It boasts 8,000 feet of elevation gain over a persistently undulating 50k course that is, in their words, the best, worst thing you'll do in September. We had a lot of laughs on this episode and really enjoyed getting to know a couple of runners who truly understand what running community is all about. Make sure you listen through to the end, because after you do, you'll find yourself wanting to sign up for this intriguing party in the prairies, and we will tell you how you can win a free race registration for 2022. Stay tuned as we get to know Warren and Jeff a little better. All right, Warren and Jeff, welcome to the Inspired Souls podcast. We're excited to have you with us this evening. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you. So we love having runners from all different genres and representing different facets of our sport on the show. You both being race directors of of a race in Saskatchewan, I think will represent an interesting conversation for us tonight. So before we get into um, the more specifics of the Beaver Flat 50, which is why we invited you on the show in the first place, I want our listeners and actually Karen and I to get to know you a little bit better. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about yourselves. So let's start with the younger brother of the two, Warren. Why don't you go first? Yeah, so I'm Warren. I'm the the younger brother, faster brother. Some might (laughs) say more handsome brother. (laughs) Yeah, I live in Swift Current. When I'm not organizing the Beaver Flat 50, I'm a speech language pathologist for our local school division. So I work with kids ages three to 20 and you know, get to meet a lot of different students and teachers. And yeah, it's a really interesting job. Every day is is new and never gets boring. So started running about 10 years ago, got into the sport through some friends in Swift Current. When I moved here, they recruited me to be on their relay team for Sinister Seven. So that was my introduction oh. to to running as basically like the first event I did was Sinister 7. Well, and how could you not fall in love with the sport after a start like that? That's right. <laughs> Which leg did you do though? <laughs> I think it was, what well, was the old course? So I think it was leg three. It was very long and hot during leg like, three. yeah, the, the heat of the day. Overall, it wasn't one of the more scenic legs of the route. Like there was a bit of running on the road and Mm-hmm. But running on some, you know, some different like quad trails and, but yeah, I loved it. It was hard and it was super fun and it was just fun going out there with a group, of, a group of people and, you know, being a part of a team and getting to experience the whole atmosphere out there with, 
in such a big event and so much good energy. And so I think that's why I fell in love with it. Have you stayed running trails or do you mix it up and run a bit of roads as well? Right now I, I do a little bit of both, I would say. So in Swift Current, we've got a running group that tries to go out once a week kind of thing in the summer. It's with a bunch of guys who have more of that track and field background. They're kind of teaching me the ropes as far as running on the track and doing workouts and and how how that all works. And like up until the past couple years when I started running with these guys, I hadn't done a lot of road running or like serious road running. I'm surprised actually how much I enjoy it just because I've always, you know, I started trail running And I've always just said, like, I'm a trail runner. And, you know, it's like you can't bring the two together. Sometimes you think you can't bring the two together, right? Either you're a trail runner or you're a road runner. I always say that we we like put ourselves in a box a lot of the time. Like I'm an ultra runner or I'm a track runner or whatever. But it's like we have so much. That's partly why we started the podcast, too, because there's Mm -hmm. so much that we can each learn from from the other's world. Yeah. So, yeah, just really surprised how how much I'm enjoying. Well, like the structure of doing workouts. And mm-hmm. I remember the first time I actually did a workout on a track, I looked at my watch, like when we were finished the the workout and I couldn't believe that it was like 16 kilometers done and an hour and something just because when you go out for a run, it's sometimes can really drag on if you don't have a goal or if you're not thinking about anything. And when you're out there and you're like keeping track of what you're doing and you're trying to, you know, like start and start and stop your watch. And really the time just flies by. Next thing you know, you've, you know, done 10 miles. All right. Well, let's get to know you a little bit, Jeff. Did you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. My name's uh, Jeff Dudar. As Warren noted, uh, I'm the older, larger, <laughs> <laughs> less handsome brother. So I'm, I live in Regina, uh, Saskatchewan, and I have two kids, a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old, a boy and a girl. And Warren failed to mention that he has two kids as well. And <laughs> they are nine and six. I'm saving that for later. <laughs> I'm saving that for the for later. <laughs> yeah. So I I was a government hack for and sorry to all the government hacks out there, but I worked for the government for in Saskatchewan here for eleven years, and then I was in Nova Scotia and I worked for the government there for three years, and I never ever wanted to do that for a career. So very it, recently, I made the transition to I'm the CEO of a organization in Regina called Street Culture. It's essentially a youth homeless community-based organization that addresses youth youth homelessness in in Regina. So we have different shelters and and second stage housing and various programs that that help the the youth in the city. I'm super happy. Yeah, it's a great it was a great move. Super happy I did it. Like best career choice I could have ever made other than being the race director of the Beaver Flat 50. <laughs> and I uh, it's one of those jobs now where I like I lo- I love going to it every day versus just kind of going through the monotony of my other, how I felt about my other, other experience in terms of work. Mm-hmm. And what about your running? So I love running, but I am, I am like a recreational runner. If I register, like I chase Warren around poorly and he's much faster than I am. <laughs> and, but I just love like 
being out and running, running on trail. Um, if I'm going to enter a race, it would be to finish and it would be to, you know, participate more in the culture versus, I mean, I love the the aspect, the, the certain aspects of running, but I've resigned to the fact that I'm, I'm not winning a race. I'm just there for the, you know, the fitness and the experience. And so that's the part of running and racing that I absolutely love and couldn't give up. Like, we went to, a group of us went to Sinister Seven this summer, and I had grand aspirations of running the 100 miles, which after three years of COVID and um, like I had registered three or two and a half years ago or three years ago or whatever it was, I it just wasn't there in terms of my fitness. But nonetheless, it was like, yeah, I'm totally going and it's an amazing race and it's so fun to be, you know, chasing Warren and the other runners around from aid station to aid station and checkpoint to checkpoint. And, uh, and yeah, it's really the, that's the big draw for me is, you know, the DNF and then chasing people around <laughs> the course after that. Just love that DNF. Yeah. Your race isn't over. <laughs> Just love that DNF. Just can't wait for it. You need the whole experience being the racer yeah. and the pacer and crew. In yeah, totally. Crew. Yeah. In the same race. So you both have some background running on trails. Sinister 7 is part of your running history. Tell me how the two of you, let's just cut right to the chase. How did the two of you become, you know, race directors of the Beaver Flat 50? How did this idea come to reality? So in like 2000, was it Warren, 2015? The rot. Yeah, I, I had like seen this race in a magazine somewhere called, it was the rut in in Montana. And I was like, Oh, that is looks incredible. That is like, you know, I'm going to put that on my, my bucket list in terms of runs to do in the future. And one spring or when registration opened for the rut, I I text Warren or called Warren and said, Hey, we should do this. And he's always up for an adventure. And he was like, sure, let's, let's give it a shot. And so throughout the year prior to the rut into like September 2015 when the when the rut happened. Warren was in Swift Current obviously and he was he was doing a lot of training out there and it's just really tough to simulate like mountain running in Regina and at one point he had or went to Sask Landing Provincial Park which is like 35 kilometers to the north of Swift Current to do some some trail running out there, some training out there. Uh, and when he got back, he's like, oh, you have to come out and check this place out. It's absolutely like otherworldly in terms of the terrain and hill repeats. The gain you can get out there is, is you know, like none other in at least Southern Saskatchewan. So when I went out there for a couple of weekends and did and ran out there and my mind was blown and you know, couldn't believe how vast and how much the just the different like geography and the the ups and downs that that are out there or at Saskatoon Provincial Park. And one day we got sick of doing the repeats, like the hill repeats, and we just started like puttering along animal trails, like deer trails, and connecting them up, and just chatting about like how like it's, it was never ending, like the park never ended, and it was a really incredible experience. And by the end of the day, we had ran like, I don't know, 35 or 40 kilometers and there had like, you know, 1800 meters of, of elevation gain over that, over that distance. 
and just sort of put that like filed that away in terms of like never really thought about it again just like had that experience filed it away and then we went and ran the rut which was a horribly humbling experience for myself <laughs> it was so intense but so fun and finished it uh you know a decent time for me but on the had we drove there and we had like such you know the on the way back like the atmosphere at the start finish line of the rut was like incredible like there's mechanical bulls and there's tattoo artists and there's food and there's like (laughs) it's just like this giant crazy party and like I'm like I love giant crazy parties it was like so fun to I mean I could hardly walk and didn't know where I was half the time because of, of exhaustion but like it was such a cool experience and then on the way home we just chatted about like you know, there's isn't really, at least in Saskatchewan, there really isn't like kind of like world-class quality running event, at least for trails. And you have to go to Alberta largely or BC or, you know, Ontario, at least at the time to, to experience on, something Spruce like that. Spruce Woods Ultra doesn't qualify in Manitoba? That was the first, <laughs> ru- that was the first ultra that we did. And we stayed at the Bluebird Motel or something. And it was it was such a funny, like a, an amazing, it was so fun, but it was like, oh my God, there's so many funny stories from that, that race. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you. So I will interrupt one more time though. When, when are we talking? When did this conversation happen? You said something like 2015? Yeah, September 2015. And we were driving home from Montana and we just thought like, holy crap, we have this crazy terrain, geography, location in our back pocket. And we could essentially, we could host like a mountain. What we decided was we could host a a mountain race in Saskatchewan. Like we could easily put together a 50 kilometer race and have, you know, we didn't know at the time, but we thought, you know, somewhere in the 2000 to 2,500 meters of, of elevation gain over that distance. And we just decided then we're like, let's do it. And Warren had a conversation with the park. They had no idea what was going on and what we were doing, but they said, sure. And we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, so we it was no like, idea. it was like a match made in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> the blind leading the blind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then in 2016, we had our first event. That's awesome. So yeah, according to your website, the Beaver Flat 50 has between 7,500 and 8,000 feet of elevation gain. And to put that into comparison, Squamish 50 is 8,500 feet. So speaking in feet, that's pretty darn close to, yes, a true mountain race. It's pretty impressive. We went out to Squamish in 2017. And I think it was 2017. We went out with a group of friends and we ran the 50-50. But our buddy ran the 50 and he's run the 50 before at Beaver Flat 50. And he said that easily the beaver flat 50 he found way more tough than squamish 50 just on a diff like difficulty level because the hills are going up and down and you don't get like it's you know a the, long, long... the big climb of galactic yeah. shiza where it's all done mm-hmm. in you know an hour and uh so yeah it's just you know not everyone that runs squamish and beaver flat 50 might think that but that was that was his impression there's many different kinds of hard. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the constant change can be very, very demanding on the body. Sorry, Carolyn, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I'm like going back in the memory bank uh, to my Saskatchewan geography. I haven't spent a lot of time in Saskatchewan, but 
from what I remember learning, it's very flat. So uh, where are all these hills in, in Saskatchewan? It's northern Saskatchewan? No, it's southern Saskatchewan. So it oh. is on the South Saskatchewan River. And the like in the sand hills that are in that particular area, the river has, just, you know, over whatever, a zillion years, uh, has just cut these tremendous banks and cliffs into the into the river. So it's similar to like Lost Soul in terms of the the feel and the look. The hills are just like relentless and one out. I think over the course of the 50 kilometer race, there's about 22 different climbs that are all between sort of 70 and 100 and and sorry, I, I shouldn't be, it should be working in feet here, but no, you know, 70 and 70 and 100 and 110, 120 meters. So it's just like a constant pounding, but it's so funny. Like when you say the prairies are flat, it, like the beaver flat, the course is such a trip because like you feel like when you're out there, or at least this is how I feel when I'm out there is like you're climbing and climbing and climbing. And it kind of feels like you look, you're looking down. If you look to the north, you're looking down, or I guess I'll say the north, but you're looking down at the river. It feels like you're climbing, like essentially like a peak of a mountain. And you get to the top and you look in the other direction and it's just flat prairie. Like it's such, and it, it's such a, it's such a trick of the mind too. Cause you're like, Oh, I feel like I'm on the top of the world, but I just climbed like out of a valley, like from the river out of the valley. And all I can see is just like vast prairie to the one, you know, in, in both, in, in almost all directions. So it's a real, it's a real trip in terms of the feel of it. So we've gotten a bit of a hint as to your sense of humor here. So I'm wondering who came up with the the name Beaver Flat 50 for a race that was born from the idea of simulating a mountain run in Saskatchewan. Uh, I think that was a I think that was a group project. We had so many crappy names that we like just like we would text each other back and forth when we were trying to come up with names and I think there were like several different takes on using the word flat and beaver. And then eventually we just finally landed on beaver flat 50. So just around the corner from the provincial park is a little village called beaver flats, like a little resort village. And I think I had been looking at a map one day, just kind of like looking at the geography of the area. And I saw the village and, you know, like I had been to the village before and I think it just like hit me. The name just hit me like beaver flat. 50 and i was just like that's so funny because it's like it sounds good but also it's like so silly because this race is so not flat right and everyone is gonna like think this is funny and that we're big jerks and and that's (laughs) definitely the way it is so mission mission accomplished well you don't really make any bones about it on the website like i i think i read on the website it's hill repeats in the worst kind of way so like you're very upfront that you know if they were fooled by the name beaver flat uh they'll read the first sentence or the first paragraph of the website and realize that it's not but do you ever get anyone that shows up to the race and is like what the heck? Like I was expecting a flat race or do you find that most people come fairly prepared? In, in year one, we had a lot of people that didn't like us because (laughs) it didn't matter how much we communicated out. There was still people that just didn't, couldn't comprehend what the rate, like what the course was and, and how it, how the feel of it. 
after year one, it spread like the word around Saskatchewan spread like wildfire, right? It was just like, this is the most obnoxious thing that exists in the prairies. (laughs) And even like, but even like this year in this, in the past, in this past year, this past year was just like none other, like such a crazy year, but there's a local runner from Fort Quapel that came out and ran and he's done like, you know, the double and triple Ironmans and a bit of a local legend. And, and he finally got out to do the race this past year. And he posted a really like very lovely but very uh, eloquent and long Facebook post after the race about no words or no description can prepare you for what you're about to encounter regardless of how much you know it's just it also is shocking mm-hmm. just the 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 rate the course itself it's not really like this the the trick and we're letting the cat out of the bag here is it's not really on much of a trail it's just like <laughs> It's just like it's like the trail at its best is 18 inches wide and it's full of roots. The Saskatchewan Provincial Park is a, in a protected grasslands area. And so they said, you are more than 100% welcome to do this. You, you just have to connect animal trail after animal trail after animal trail. And so that's what we did. And so it's really you're running on deer trail or you're running on part of it is equestrian campground as well. So you're, you're running on equestrian trails and that is like the off camber running is just like, it hurts and people, that's what really gets people is it's not really a trail and it doesn't make sense, but it makes the perfect amount of sense. Well, that was going to be my next question is describe this a little bit more to us. Like we know it's hilly, so we also know it's not a real trail. Is it sandy kind of ground? Is it tufts of grass? Are there any trees? Like what, what kind of person expect with regards to exposure? It's not necessarily sandy. It's a lot of like juniper roots that are growing over the trail. You're running on trail and then it turns into like a bluff of soft roots and they tend to like get loose and wrap around your leg and trip you. No joke. They, they come alive. It's crazy. You get a good variety too. I think that's what makes it so difficult is like at one point you'll be running up in the flats through a wheat field and it's like trimmed grass that you're running on, which is really lovely. And then you'll just all of a sudden get to the end of the hill and go straight down it. And it's just rocky and it's miserable and everything is like the rocks are all sliding out. We don't like we do a lot of trail maintenance, but we leave we leave it difficult on purpose just because we want it to be difficult. So we don't want to clear everything and make it easier to run. So we just kind of clear the, some of the bigger uh, things off the path that we have to clear. So yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to describe. Actually, you have to come out and see it. I was just to say, there's a lot of water as well, which is kind of surprising for the area so there's a lot of like natural springs that run out of the hills and there's some areas that like on the on the 20 and 50k course you're running and all of a sudden you're in knee-deep mud and you've lost a shoe and there's such a variety of terrain there's probably only a hundred meters of tree cover on the whole on the whole course and so it's super exposed and it can be like zero degrees and be plus 10 in the coolies. It is like, it is so freaking hot. It's crazy. 
Okay, so you're not exactly selling this as an easy race. So I'm guessing that part of the vision or part of what you had in mind when you created in the first place is this race is hard and that's part of the appeal. Would that be fair to say? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So if somebody's listening to this, because I think so earlier, we were talking about, you know, word got out, like maybe we could have tricked the people in the first year, and they thought it was flat, but then they came out, they experienced it. And then word spread like wildfire. Oh, no, this is not a flat race. Um, But sometimes what I know about trail runners is that that really piques people's interest, right? It's like, I want to do this race, because it's hard. So if somebody's listening to this and, and you've piqued their interest, can you sort of um, tell us like, why do people need to come out and experience this race? And also, I'm not sure we've clarified when exactly it is, like what time of the year. So did you get those two questions? <laughs> why do people need to do it? And when is it? And how do they sign up? Uh, the race is, so just for logistically, the race is always typically the third September. So this year it's, or the third Saturday in September. This year it'll be September 17th. We do that because Lost Souls, as well as the, like in Regina here, the Queen City Marathon is usually on the long weekend. So try and plan it around those two events. I think somewhere in our in our literature that we have in social media and and on the website, like it's the best, we describe it as the best, worst thing you'll do in September. We had someone run the 5K event this past year, it was her, it was her pinnacle. Like it was, it, it was what it was. She was striving for what she was working for, and she crossed the line, and it was amazing. It was so like beautiful and wonderful to see and experience. The toughness factor of it is what is really the most appealing part of of the event, and and really why we get people out, and really why I think my in my opinion why we have such a draw from other areas in Canada as well as internationally. It's a legitimate race that is on people's race calendar. And we have people coming from other provinces trying to get the course records. And it's, there's a bit of a, a bit of an allure to it. And I think that's re- is really the most fascinating part of it and, and really the draw of it because of the, the wide draw from other areas in, like the course record for the men's 50k is held by Mike Siddick from Squamish and like he ran the race like like the road runner and finished in like just over four and a half hours which was like unprecedented before that and he and it's hard it's super hard but it's also like when you in terms of like when you have some elite runners that come out it's a challenge but it's also like a a fun accessible run for others as well so it's it it hits like such a broad stroke of of demographic so what distances do you offer it's not just the 50k from the sounds of it you have a 5k and what other distances are offered 10k and a 20k and then we also do a kids fun run which is just a little fun little one kilometer loop for uh, for the kiddos Something for everybody. Yeah. So you started in 2016. Did you did you offer a race in 2020? I'm assuming that was a a no year, but you nope. did have a race last year, 2021. You betcha. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So that would be 16, 17, 18, 19. 
five years. This will be your sixth year coming up. So over that period of time, how has the race evolved and grown? Like how many runners did you have signed up in that first year versus how many runners did you have signed up this last year, 2021? Yeah. So we had, I would say it's hard to remember exact numbers from the first year, but I think we had about, it wasn't anything more than 200 people across the four distances, right, Jeff? That's correct, yeah, 200, 50 in each distance. Right, and then in 2019, that was uh, the year that we had the most runners, and we had 600 people across the the distances, so I think that was 200 in the 50K, and then like 150 in the 20K, and maybe 100 in each of the other distances, so it's grown a lot, and it's it's like, it's one of the things that we kind of have to not struggle with every year, but just think about balancing the size of the event with like the environment that we want to have out there. I think like we could keep growing it more and more every year, but it almost gets to a point where not only is it like difficult to manage from an organizational perspective, if there's too many people out there, but it also gets a different feel to it if it gets too big and I think that's one of the things that makes it so special right now is that it's small enough that people still feel like, you know, like they're all a part of kind of the same thing, like the the 5 and 10K, 20K runners. They get to be there, they stay and they watch the 50K runners finish and they feel like they're a part of like a bigger event. Yeah, from a race director's perspective, like you kind of want to grow it and see how big you can make this thing right but at the same time you you definitely have to temper that a bit with with just other factors Mm -hmm. that you have to have to factor into it well yeah jeff when you were introducing yourself that was something that you know you mentioned is that you're very much a recreational runner you race to finish you race to be part of of a community and and for the social and for the fun party right and so i wondered about how much you're considering like hey there might be other people out there like me that are in it for the social and are in it for the party when you're considering you know your course and the vibe that you want to throw off in your race so did you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, like racer and spectator experiences is super important for both of us. And creating a like a really festive, fun start finish line is key and and one of our priorities. And 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 like people are hungry, like the local business community is also hungry to participate in something like this. I respond like the, the local communities, the sponsors that we have are phenomenal. This past year, we had a local brewery in Swift Current, Blackbridge Brewery. They did a, a small batch race beer for us. So every runner got a, mm. got a Beaver Flat 50 beer. Smokes poutinery comes from Saskatoon and they set up and every runner has a gets a poutine. So it's part of the, you know, runners get a, a drink oh, and, a, and a poutine. there's a there's a like a really fun restaurant in swift current called the night jar diner and derek uh the chef there has been a supporter and friend of ours since the get-go and so he comes this past couple of years he comes and 
he's got he sets up a coconut bar and he's he pours like coconut little coconut umbrella drinks he's hacking like the (laughs) tops of the coconuts off and making drinks we have solomon come out and they set up their you know the solomon truck and and they do their thing we have fresh air experience from regina like a local outdoor gear place come out and you know they're our retail sponsor badlands coffee like all volunteers they come out and they do coffee for they're there at you know three in the morning doing coffee for volunteers and and then selling coffee throughout the day we play in my opinion the best music ever throughout the day and we have a little party right and and by the end of the warren's more of like the logistic guy and and make sure that that things are happening and i tend to uh, gravitate towards the microphone and and just call runners out and and chat with people in the start finish line and thank sponsors and whatnot. The experience is super high on our priority list, and the and it and it in my mind should match the quality of trail and the quality of course that that people run on. And it's a balancing act, but it's also it's one of the fun things that that we we love to do. So. If you could pick one thing that is the best thing about your race experience, could you? And what would it be? It's got to be the poutine. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Hands yeah. down. You had me at poutine. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, totally. Full on roadrunner here, but I just might show up at your race. <laughs> <laughs> just for the poutine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, if you had to pick one thing, that's a good question. So the way that the course is set up, you start at a, the start finish line is the same spot. So you do like a giant loop. And so you, you end where you start. And the way that it's set up is at a, about, I don't know, 800 meters away, like off in the distance, there's a giant ridge and you can see the 50 K runners up on the ridge coming back towards the, they're finishing their race. And when you spot that first, like when I spot that first runner, the first 50K runner coming on the ridge, like it's just like a glorious monumentous, like that's when it, like you start calling and then people stand up and start like cheering and clapping and ringing cowbells, right? And when they cross the line, it's just like all of the hard work culminating into that big finish. And every finish is a big finish, but like there's something really fun about that first 50k finisher that comes across the line. Fantastic. Well, earlier, I think it was you, Warren, mentioned that like we had no idea what we were doing <laughs> when we first <laughs> became race directors. So I'm I'm curious what has been, paint us a little picture of what's been maybe the best part of race directing this race in particular, and what's been the most challenging thing, like maybe something that you didn't necessarily foresee uh, as being a challenge in, in this job. For me, the thing that I think is like the highlight of, of race directing for me is getting introduced to this greater community that you didn't even know existed. It's crazy how within a matter of, like you said, six years that we've been doing the race, how like we've made our own community out mm-hmm. of these other little communities around the race and now, you know, we've got our volunteers that come back and a lot of them come back every year and we've got right. our runners and a lot of them come back every year. It's so cool to be a part of that 
community. Mm-hmm. I get to be a part of that community as a runner throughout the year, but then come September, I get to be a part of it from the race director role. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just a, a much different experience, you know, just on the day of the race, it's hectic and crazy. And, but then at the same time, it's like getting to watch people cross the finish line and like, that's what we do, right? That's yeah. our, our role. We don't sit out at aid stations and, and do that kind of thing. Like we stand at the finish line and we're lucky that we get to watch pretty much every single runner come across the finish line. And it's like the range of emotions and people celebrating and their families are there and it never gets old. And it's just, yeah, I'm so grateful to be able to be a part of that. One of the challenging things is kind of like, from you know the managing people kind of thing the volunteers and coordinators and having to deal with your brother and like (laughs) all all of that can become really challenging at times but I think every year that side of it gets better and easier and we're getting smarter and we're we're expanding the team and we're building relationships with new people who are helping and I think it's that's constantly improving, but it has been at times a little bit difficult. It's it's definitely, there's a lot of moving parts mm-hmm. when it comes to the people side of things. And I mean, it's just, it's an opportunity to learn about, you know, like interpersonal skills and how to work with people. And so it's it's been a great learning experience that way. Okay. How about you, Jeff? What would, what would you say has been the best part of the race directing experience, but also the most challenging part? I, I would echo what Warren said in terms of just seeing like, I guess, like the fruits of your labor come together and people being happy and people being challenged. It's, um, it's amazing to get to experience people's triumph. And it is like such a, it might sound cliche, but it is I feel like I get to share in everyone's success and triumph. And that is such a special thing. And it's so amazing. It's really why it's, I mean, it's a big part of why, why I do it and why, why I keep doing it and why we look for other things uh, similar to do. The most challenging thing is for me, the freaking weather stresses me out so much. Like this past year, as an example, we go out there the week before the race and we, you know, set flags and we put signs up and we get everything ready. And it was like, you know, it was between zero degrees and eight degrees for the entire week leading up to the race. And for some reason on race day, it was forecasted to be plus 31 with 60 kilometer an hour winds. And it was, it was like a literal, like the desert dropped in and it was windy and hot and dusty and we wrecked a printer we wrecked two computers we wrecked so many people's eyeballs just with like the dust that were it's the very i guess this the what i find least likable of the race is the variables that you can't control and largely that's the you know that's the weather it's just stresses me out (laughs) covid yeah no exactly right covid and we put in an order for for I don't know 500 Beaver Flat 50 masks this year, and we were going to have them at the race. COVID 
did a little shift and we were like, oh, COVID's not going to be a thing anymore. This is going to be great. And so we canceled our order. And then all of a sudden, surprise, of course, COVID's a thing again. And we could have used those masks. So you're right. Like all these variables, those variables that are outside of your control are the, are the least, you know, is what stresses me out the most. Mm-hmm. As a runner, I mean, that's the reality, right? And that's part of when I said there's many different kinds of hard is you have to be prepared for all of those things. You have to learn to adapt. But I can imagine as a race director, it's just a different, it's less convenient for, for the stress, yeah. right? You're not, you're not embracing it and training for the stress. You actually have to, you know, manage it no matter what comes your way. To two of our aid stations are only accessible by farmers fields and they've graciously let us, you know, drive through their fields, but we can't have any rain else. We can't get like, it can't rain at all in the, in the couple of days leading up to the race or else we can't access the aid stations. And for six years or five years, we've been, there was one year that was really close, really touch and go in terms of getting into the, into the aid stations. But Every year we've like, like we've had been we've been fortunate enough to be able to access those aid stations. And when Warren says we don't know what we're doing, we don't really have a plan B. Like we don't know like to get into those aid stations. We're like, I don't know. We're just, gonna, we're, we're just we're praying hard tonight. That's our plan B. When you talked about your experience pacing Heidi at Lost Soul, and you talked about how the backup plan because of the weather was to run that road section. Yeah, yeah. I hear things like that and I just get straight anxiety because I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness, we should have something like that, but we don't. <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad. We do have some like plan Bs, like the one year where it was uh, going to be touch and go as to whether or not we could get to those aid stations. We went and we took all the stuff out like two or three days in advance and taped everything up so that the wildlife couldn't get in it and just kind of crossed our fingers that everything would be okay. But yeah, it's a lot of (laughs) pivoting on the fly. The stuff that runners have no idea goes on in the background. So tell us, is the Beaver Flat 50 the end of the story or are you tempted to potentially branch out into other events? It's not the, hopefully not the end of the story. There's, we don't have anything like that we could say hard and fast, you know, we're going to have a race here at this, at this location on this date, but Warren and a group of friends were out um, doing some surveying in the fall, just looking at some other, uh, other locations around the, the, in the Cypress area, the Cypress Hills area. There's, we've had some, loose conversations with the provincial like the provincial the the province and the and sask parks about hosting another race at another location in the province and so we don't have any tricks up our sleeve or anything to unveil but i think in the future at some point there'll be a another prairie sky running event that that will host somewhere it'd be nice to do something in the spring because everyone's race calendars get pretty full in the fall uh, but there's not there's not a lot uh, in the spring, so we might do something in the spring. Absolutely, May is like a dead month. I'm always looking for races in May. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Manitoba has a couple, but there's yeah. there's room in the spring for sure. 
All right. Well, before we uh, get to our rapid fire questions, thought we'd ask what's next. Do any of you, do either of you have anything coming up in 2022 that's exciting you? Uh, I've kind of put together a little bit of a race calendar for next year. It's tentative, of course, just because I feel like every year now it's going to be tentative (laughs) as we don't know what's going to happen from year to year. There is a new 100-mile race in uh, the Cypress Hills area, mostly on the Alberta side, the Hidden Oasis 100. Yes, I'm going to be there. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I'm... Ah, nice. Me? Are you going to be crewing me by chance? (laughs) Well, I'll be there. (laughs) Can you multitask? (laughs) I've already committed to two runners, so that might be enough. How fast are they running? I could probably run the same speed. No. One is Heidi. Oh, there we go. Yeah, so I'm looking at that. It's nice that it is in June before summer holidays officially start. So working in the school division once July rolls around then the kids are out of school and we tend to hit the road or do all kinds of fun summer stuff so I try to do my races like spring or fall so they don't Mm -hmm. take up the family time so I am looking at that so a group of us are also thinking about going down to Silverton for hard rock weekend just to hang out and maybe volunteer but probably more than likely just hang out and take in the experience and see what it's all about get some runs in here there you know on either side of the race and uh so are you gonna be there too no 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 (laughs) you look really excited (laughs) i'm I'm excited because that's actually something i've i've secretly wanted to do for a long time too but i'm like uh, yeah, to be yeah. Groupie at a place like that would be super fun. Some of these races, they're like, you kind of say they're on, or at least I say they're on my bucket list, but I think some of them are way too hard to get into. So if you want to... Hard Rock is, so I impossible. think, one of the hardest. Yes. Yeah. So I think, you know, rather than, you know, waiting for that to happen or not happen, because I'm not applying for it. So obviously it's not going to happen, but <laughs> it would be nice just to go down there and, and to be able to experience it that way without running it. What about you, Jeff? I think 2022 is the year Jeff gets his fitness back in check because 2021 was not a a, a year of fitness for me. But I think I'm going to pick like a, I haven't picked, I haven't decided yet, but I'm going to pick a 50 and uh, probably a local 50. And then 100k race i have to redeem myself at a 100k event here at some point and pull off the finish so i'm going to try and find one that's not too far away and and work towards that as my goal for 2022 and then tag along with warren and poorly crew him through the races that that he does (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes i can't wait he he holds me accountable for his uh his DNF no, at Sinister no, 7 no, this no, year. No, no, <laughs> I only hold myself accountable. Come on. It's no one's fault but myself. It was a hard, hot year this year at Sinister 7. It was my first year there, but man, was I humbled. Oh, Let me yes, tell you. It was gross. Oh, a whole lot of gross. That's, that's a good for word. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Gross. All right. Well, we gave you a bit of a warning that we like to finish each episode with five rapid fire questions. And when we have two guests, we'll just alternate back and forth between each of you. I'm not sure if you had a chance to prepare, but are you guys ready? 
Yes. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start with Jeff. Jeff, what is your favorite running mantra? Favorite running mantra is, um, holy shit, I think I'm going to do it. (laughs) I think I can do it. (laughs) Such conviction. We have not had that. do it. Holy shit, I think I can do it. I'm now, always do you have that am... at the beginning of the run or only all the way through. I am like I have like I yeah, I talk to myself all the time and I'm like constantly pep talking myself and it's often in that kind of vein. So yeah. That's great. How about you, Warren? Don't puke. I think is one that I that I say to myself lots. Don't puke and don't do other weird bodily stuff that you always do at races and it's inevitable. So all right. Next question. Okay. Uh and we'll go with you again, Warren. What is your favorite place to run? If you could just be dropped anywhere on the planet to go for a run, where would it be? We did a little getaway to Grasslands National Park. It's in like the most southern part of the province. And there's no like there's no real trails down there, but it's just this crazy otherworldly place. It's grasslands, but as you go through the park, it like the ecosystems change and it's the terrain changes. And we only went there once. I've went back since and just hiked a little bit, but I would love to go back and run there lots. But it's like a full hour drive from here, which isn't that far. But yeah, it's just one of those things when the landing is only a half hour away, I tend to go there for training just because it is half the distance. But yeah, that would be my place. And you, Jeff? I love Canmore and in particular, like Hauling is like, I don't know, it does something to me. I just love that trail and I love climbing up to the the top of it. And yeah, that's my, I love it so much out there. It does frostbite to me, so I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I sense a story. Yes, I got really bad frostbite on my feet going up howling. We went and I don't like heights. So I, I always chicken out when we get to like the summit out of the tree line, I stop. And we, the last time we were there, it got really cold and it was really cold and I stopped moving and my feet froze. So I ran back down to warm up and then I was like, I'm going to run back up and meet up with them. And I was up too soon and I was waiting for them and my free, my feet refroze. And I guess that's the trick with, with, yeah, refreezing again. It's, it's, yeah, the frostbite was nasty. Oh, wow. You were just too fast running up and down the mountain. (laughs) No, I think that's. slowed down. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was actually too slow. (laughs) All right. Bucket list race. I'm going to give you guys a choice. Who would like to go first? What's your bucket list race? Easy. UTMB. Done. Yeah. UTMB or like I'm really I'm really interested in Wham like Whistler Alpine Meadows the 100. I would love to I just I've heard like such amazing things about it. So that might be in terms of a more local bucket list race. I think I'd put that at the top. Let's hope it goes this year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll stay with you Jeff. Do you have a favorite running book or movie? 
you know, I not not a not a movie, but when I first was dabbling in the sport, I read Hal Croner's uh, Guide to Ultra Running, and it was like the most accessible, easy, like easy to read informational book in terms like tutorial in ultra running that I've come across. And so I've, it's pretty beat up now because I've handed it out to a lot of people and it always seems to come back, but it's a bit of a Bible for me in terms of, of ultra running. So that'd be my, my book. Okay. And Warren, favorite running book or movie? I am a softy for a good dramatic movie. So I'd have to say the Gary Robbins attempt at the Barkley Marathons mm. flick. <laughs> Just watching his desperate he comes out of the trees. Fit. Oh, <laughs> Just just makes you want to cry and laugh and do everything. I'm killing myself laughing right now if you're seeing me on the screen here. Yeah. When, as soon as you said a good dramatic movie, my <laughs> thought, I'm not kidding, was he's going to say where dreams go to die. <laughs> <laughs> it has got to be the most dramatic ending to a ultra movie ever. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's excellent. Okay, final question. Warren, back to you. What is your favorite post-run indulgence? Beer. A good beer. Good, cold, craft beer. And pizza. Like, I love a good, like, I love pizza after a race. It's just the greatest thing ever. So don't mind a beer as well, but pizza be <laughs> How about my, both? my post-race yeah. indulgence. <laughs> both. Yeah, it's typically both. Pizza and and lots pizza of it. <laughs> There isn't. No, there isn't. Mm -hmm. But there should be. 2022. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Before we, we close down this episode, um, I want to go back for a brief moment to the hint that you gave us that there might be a bit of a story at Spruce Woods Ultra when you were there. So why don't you tell us what happened there, Jeff? So Spruce Woods was the first ultra, first 50 that I ever did or that both Warren and I ever did. And I I didn't read this in Hal Croner's Guide to Ultra Running, <laughs> Field Guide to Ultra Running. But for some reason I thought so I had like a I had a like a two-liter bladder that I was wearing and because I didn't know what I was doing. And in the in the pack of the like the backpack, I literally put like two bunches of bananas because I was certain that I was gonna eat bananas the entire race. And it was going to be like my, like the fuel that was going to sustain me. And I, because I didn't know what to expect in terms of aid stations. I had just had no idea. And so it was so hot the year that we ran it. And I started run, like running and my water was sloshing around and it was squishing the bananas. And by, you know, aid station one, I just had a backpack full of smashed black bananas <laughs> And it was like the, it was like a laughable experience the entire time. I don't know what I was thinking or what I was doing. And I just, yeah, decided that I was going to like carry around a whole produce section of, of food in my backpack, <laughs> like literally enough for like, you know, five days of sustenance in case I, in case I, I found myself lost in the bush, but. Not yeah, not to was, mention uh, that the aid stations had their own had bananas. bananas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting concepts. Oh my 
<laughs> so yeah, not much of a story actually, but just uh, yeah, uh, I guess uh, yeah, just a story. So not not something you yeah. need to bother Hal with in the uh, updated edition. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. And at the Beaver Flat Fifty, runners don't need to bring their right. own bananas. You do not need to yeah, bring your you own bananas. Put so. that on the website. Hi- highly not recommended. <laughs> Oh, well, you two are so much fun to talk to. It was really, really fun getting to know you both. And again, if people are intrigued about this race, plug it. Where do you want to point people to? When can they sign up? Tell us how to register for this amazing race. Uh, Registration opens February 14th, 2022, Valentine's Day. So you can buy your loved one a race (laughs) registration as well as yourself. The best, worst thing ever. Yeah. (laughs) It's uh, it's excellent for relationships. The we use race rosters, so there's a link from our website, uh, pskyrunning.com. Uh, you can check out the website, follow the link to race roster, and and register. Like we said earlier, the race is September seventeenth, twenty twenty two, at Sask Landing Provincial Park, which is about thirty five kilometers north of Swift Current, Saskatchewan. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at P Sky Running. Well, this has been so fun getting to know you both and learning a little bit more about running in Saskatchewan. And you definitely have me intrigued. If my legs can still do anything <laughs> in mid-September, yeah, I may just find myself out there checking out your course. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing your stories with us. And good luck with, with race directing in 2022. Thanks. Thank you for having us. So much fun. If you want a piece of the action and a poutine at the Beaver Flat 50 this September, head on over to our Instagram page and enter our contest to win a free race entry. Contest closes February 11th, 2022.